Amen. Now, Abraham. Abraham. He has a servant here, and the servant's not named in this chapter, but I believe it goes back to Genesis 15, and I believe that the servant is Eli Ezer. You can't prove that, but I believe that it is. And so what you have is you have Abraham, you have his oldest servant, Eli Ezer, and Eli Ezer is an example of a faithful servant. So we're going to learn some things tonight about this faithful servant. But you have an interesting thing in this chapter, and really in all the book of Genesis, you have some types here. And if you're not familiar with typology, I'll try to introduce that to you tonight, but you have some types here. In other words, Abraham is a type of God the Father. Eli Ezer is a type of the Holy Spirit. Abraham is sending Eli Ezer to get a bride for his son. Who's Abraham's son? Isaac. Isaac is a type in this account here of Jesus, the Son of God. God sends His Holy Spirit into this world to get a bride for Him. Look at Acts chapter 15, verse 4 real quick. Acts chapter 15, verse 4. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing in this church age? He's getting a bride for God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Acts chapter 15 and verse 14, where we read, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. You know what the Holy Spirit's job is tonight and all throughout the night of the church age? His job is to call out a people for his name. You know how he does that? You know how he calls us? to salvation, and to become a part of the bride of Christ. He calls us with the gospel. He calls us, as you hear the gospel call, going out and respond to that gospel and become a part of the church, which is called his body and also called the bride of Christ. You become a part of what the Lord is doing today. And Eli Ezer is sent by Abraham to go from the land of Canaan, from the promised land, and to go back to Ur of the Chaldees. So if you're looking at a map of the Bible, you're looking at the Mediterranean Sea, you're looking at uh, the Jordan River and, and uh, Canaan land right there, and he said, go back, go east, back to my land where I came from, my home country, to Ur of the Chaldees, that's Babylon, that's Iraq today. And he says, go back there to my people and get a bride for my son. Who's back there? This is good. This is too cool for Sunday school, like Brother George Griffith says. You know what's back there? Gentiles. What's that? Uncle Laban. Yeah. They're Gentiles. When Abraham was called, when his name was Abram, he was called out of Ur of Chaldees. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. He, he came from a pagan land. And he, he became, he's in the lineage, the line of the Shemites. So he came from Shem, three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He came from Shem, so he was a Shemite, but he was a Gentile. And then, eventually, he became a Hebrew. When God started, God said, Abraham, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to start a nation. And he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And that started the Hebrew people. 
But before that, he was a Gentile. And you know what the Holy Spirit is doing today? He's gone to a Gentile land. He's turned to the Gentiles to call out a people for the name of Jesus. And so he sends his eldest servant, verse 2, of his house that ruled over all that he had. Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Now this is interesting. Uh, I assume Abraham is sitting down and he says, he says to uh, his servant, put your hand under my thigh. Maybe he's laying on a bed. I don't know. But he said, put your hand under my thigh. That's interesting. That's different, right? So that must be some kind of cultural thing for them. What did that mean? He said, put your hand under my thigh and I will make thee swear by the Lord. So he's going to have him swear an oath. The God of heaven, he's going to call on the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Now that's interesting. He said, I don't want you to take anybody from these Canaanites. Why? Because the Canaanites were rejected by God. They were under God's judgment. And even in the millennial kingdom, the Canaanites are not allowed to come to the, to the worship at the millennial temple. Zechariah chapter 14, you'll find it there. That is, God had a bone to pick with them, and God said, you're done. You're done. Uh, <clears throat> so he says, don't get it on the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son, Isaac, who is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like I said, this bride is a picture of the church. And we'll come back and look at that. But he has him swear an oath. You might be interested as to whether or not it's biblical for Christians to swear oaths. But before I take a venture at that, this is what they say this, this meant when they put the hand underneath the thigh. A guy by the name of Charles F. Pfeiffer describes it this way. According to biblical idiom, children are said to issue from the thigh or the loins of the father. I won't go into detail, but that place on the thigh represents the place uh, where uh, children come from. Placing the hand on the thigh sig signified that in the event that an oath were violated. Listen, in the event that, the, that Eliezer doesn't keep the oath, the children who had issued from Abraham was to avenge him and to punish this servant. So they would uh, avenge that act of disloyalty. This had been called a swearing by posterity and is particularly applicable here because the servant's mission is to ensure a posterity for Abram through Isaac. <clears throat> now, that's in a, quite a few commentaries. That's pretty standard material. Uh, you take it with a grain of salt, but it's interesting. What he was doing here is he was binding him to an oath. Let me ask you a question. Do you have, a trouble, do you have trouble keeping a promise? Can you be trusted? If somebody says, would you do this thing for me? Can you be trusted to say, yes, I'll do that thing. And then will you actually go ahead and do it? Are you a man or a woman of your word? Because Eli Ezer here, he's, a, he's, a, he's an, a faithful servant, first of all, because he promised to follow instructions. And he could be trusted to keep his promises. If you're going to be a faithful servant of the Lord, let your, let your life be known by your actions that I'm a person that can be trusted. 
If, you, if I have a promise to keep, I'll keep that promise. If I tell you I'm going to go somewhere and do something, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Be a man or a woman of your word, like Eli Ezer. <clears throat> and so he swears this oath. You might wonder, is it biblical to swear oaths? Here's just an interesting thought I'll throw out there. Matthew 5, if you want to turn there, Matthew 5.33, Jesus, he taught on all kinds of things, and sure enough, he taught on oaths. Uh, Matthew 5.33, this is what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, his teaching there. And uh, Jesus says, And again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall <clears throat> perform unto the Lord thine oaths. So in other words, if you make a promise, keep it. If you make an oath, keep it. Do what you promise to do. But I say unto you, see that's what the people of old time said, Jesus is going to magnify the law. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is his city, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. And ain't that true? You say, Yes, we can, we got hair dye. Yeah, but it only works for a little while. You can't make one hair white or black. It's, those white hairs are gonna come in. Somebody saw a picture of me and they said he still hasn't aged, and I think there was a little bit of anger. In that, they saw a picture of me on Facebook from uh, the wedding with Colton and Afton. And they said, he st- who was that that said that? He still hasn't aged. Eric oh, Eric Bruner. He was a deacon at the church I used to serve in. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's coming in. You just can't see it. It's coming in. The white hair is coming in. You say, well, okay, all right, move on. You're stuck on yourself. All right, so uh, you can't make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yay, yay. Nay, nay. In other words, yes, yes, no, no. For whatsoever is more of these cometh of evil. What Jesus is saying is if you say, yes, I'm going to do something, that ought to be good enough. People ought to know that you're going to do it if you say yes. If you don't want to do it, just say no. Now, does the Bible say that oaths are wrong entirely? When you do a full study of the thing, there are oaths that uh, you can take. But, um, for example... You're sworn into court. You know, it's, you shouldn't have a bad conscience about that. You stand at the altar on the day of your wedding and you take an oath uh, before God and that, those, those witnesses that are there, you're taking an oath. You're, you're promising that you're going to keep this, this marriage vow. Uh, you're doing those kind of things. You, you swear an oath to get into the army. Um, there are people such as, like, say, the Mennonites and the, and the Amish, you know, they don't do oaths. They don't do it based on Jesus' teaching. There's fine detail, details to that. But Jesus says this, you ought to be the kind of person where your yes means yes and your no means no. And I know there's a lot of bosses that payday comes around on Friday and they pay their guys for the week and then they don't come back on Monday. But they said they'd be there. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. You know what happened? They went out and blew all their money wasting their life, and then they don't come back to work on Monday. So he says, uh, swear, and he does. He promises to follow instructions. And the servant said unto him, verse 5, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land? 
from which thou camest. Peradventure, uh, we would say perhaps. And uh, he said, no, whatever you do, don't do that. Verse 7, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Not according to the Muslims. Not according to the Quran. They think that promise is invalid. The Muslims, they think that that land and Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, that that belongs to them. And they'll kill you over it. But he says, uh, he promised this seed unto me and this land. But I wouldn't trust what the Muslims say or what the Quran says. In chapter 25, verse 1, Abraham took a wife. He took another wife. And this was his third wife. But according to the Quran, Abraham only had two wives. So there's one mistake in the Quran among many. There's many mistakes. It's, uh, it's not like the Bible. The Bible is without error. The Quran is a man-made book. But uh, <clears throat> Abram, he had three wives there. Now, <clears throat> he says, uh, verse 8, And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And you know what? He takes off for Ur of the Chaldees. If you notice in verse 12, not only did he promise to follow instructions, but in verse 12, he prayed for guidance. He prayed for guidance. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. He's, playing, he's praying, Lord, continue to bless my master Abraham. And he's saying, Lord, here I go. I'm setting out on my way. And he's praying for guidance. Amen. Let me apply this for just a moment. Did you tell the Lord you was going to do something? Did you tell the Lord you was going to do something? I hope at the beginning of the year you told the Lord, Lord, this year... I'm going to read through my Bible. And you should. You should make commitments. That's why at the end of the service we call for a commitment. We open up the invitation. That's for the lost and that's for the saved. To make a commitment. You should tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do this. And then you pray for guidance throughout the whole thing. Lord, make the Word of God come alive to me. Give me understanding. Make this time when I'm alone with you, make it meaningful. Make this a part where make it all about my relationship with you and not just about checking off a box saying I did this today and I'm a good Bible believing Christian. Do you ever tell the Lord you're going to do something? Well, along the way, pray for guidance. But listen, if you told the Lord you're going to do something, He'll hold you to that. He will. And you ought to pray for guidance. Pray that the Lord would guide you and direct you. You might have, you might have had, had a burden to do something. I heard about a man who uh, <clears throat> he got saved out of the Catholic Church. He got saved out of that, and he's a part of a ministry called Ex-Catholics for Christ. And the Lord put a burden on his heart to go out and to take a pile of gospel tracts and to go to the downtown area where there's a lot of foot traffic and just start giving out those gospel tracts. And, and that was something that he felt that the Lord had given him to do. That's, the, that's where his ministry started. And you know what? He went out every Saturday and did that. Just started passing out tracts and witnessing to people. And God uses that. That's the same thing that we heard about that uh, William Carey did before he went on his mission trip overseas. 
And when he did that, he started passing out his tracts. He found out the Lord was blessing it. But, you know, along the way, <clears throat> he probably felt like some Saturday is not going out and doing that. But then he did. He said, I'm going to do what I had said I'm going to do. And then he, he would pray for guidance. You should always pray for guidance as you go out and pass out tracts. Pray before you go. And then you know what that led to? That led to the Lord giving him another ministry. And they started a ministry of teaching online. And then that led to YouTube. And they, they reached thousands of people just following the Lord's guidance in following through with what the Lord gave them to do. We've got, to, we've got to be faithful in the small things. What does the Lord say? He says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. Has the Lord given you something to do? Have you told Him, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go witness to my family member. I'm going to go invite them to church. I'm going to start getting serious about prayer. I'm going to do this, Lord. Well, follow through with it. But all, along the way, be praying for guidance. Verse 13, Behold, I stand here by the well of water. He'd already arrived in the land. And he said, I stand here by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Notice up, uh, I missed something there in verse 11. Notice what happened in, when the daughters came out to draw water. He made his camel to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening. Now that's not in there just by accident. Even the time that the women go out to draw water. Did you know that the Lord's bride, the church, the bride shows up as soon as it gets dark? The Lord says, I'm going away now. And the Lord tells us that while he's gone, he was the light of the world and that the world is in darkness. And he says, now you're the light of the world. And the bride shows up in a time that God describes as darkness, the church age. And the bride shows up. Also, compared to the end of the chapter, look when the bride shows up to her husband. In verse 63, this is uh, more of how this is in type, a picture of the church age. And a picture of the Holy Spirit's work in the church age. In verse 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field. That's... That's the one that they went to go get the bride for. Went out to meditate in the field at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. She got off of it. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. But Isaac was out at eventide, out in the dark, meditating. And that's when the bride showed up. Now, folks, that's packed full of meaning. That ought to get, you, that ought to get your uh, motor turning. You know when the Lord comes back to get his bride? It's the rapture of the church. It's in the church age. It's right at the darkest moment, just before the darkness of the tribulation falls on this earth. And the Lord comes to get His bride. He's going to be sitting up in heaven, and the Father's going to say to Him, All right, son, it's time. Go get your bride. <clears throat> and then His bride is going to come up to meet Him in the night of the church age. You see, in the book of Genesis, what you'll find, Genesis uh, from the first chapter to the last, is you'll find the entire Bible in type. It's amazing. The Bible is an amazing book. You'll find everything from God's dealings with the Old Testament Jews 
uh, and the Gentiles before that, to God's dealings with the church, to God wrapping the whole thing up, you'll find everything. The tribulation, the millennial kingdom, it's all in there in type. You could tell the whole story of the Bible from the first book in the Bible. But they're just types. They're just pictures. They're not the real thing. Like if I show you um, a picture on my phone, and i got a picture on there, and uh, it's a picture of me and, me and the kids out building that snowman. And I put that picture up there. Well, it's, it's just a picture. That's not us. That's not really us. You know, it's just a representation. It's just a picture. The real thing, sitting right there and standing right here, is just a picture. And what, he, what this is, is it's a type. It pictures the real thing that you find in there. And he says, uh, he says, go and find the bride. And he prayed for guidance, and the Lord led him right to the right spot. Verse 13, behold, I stand here by the well of water. And verse uh, 13, yeah. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. He's talking to the Lord. Lord, here they are. Here's these ladies coming out. Which one do you want? And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy picture, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. What he's asking for is he's asking for proof. And I don't think it's wrong. He's basically saying, Lord, how am I going to know which one of these women here? So he's, he's putting out a fleece, in other words, kind of like what happens in Judges chapter 6 with Gideon. He's kind of putting out a fleece, and he's saying, Lord, how am I going to know which woman it is? And he comes up with this. He says, Lord, I pray thee that when I say, give me drink, if she says, I'll give you drink and your camels also, then that's the right woman. Okay, Lord? And the Lord honors that. And I don't think it's wrong, necessarily, to put out a fleece in this sense, okay? If the Lord has told you to do something, and you just know that He has, okay? Um, Whatever it might be, like for example, if you're thinking about a change of job, and you believe the Lord is in it, and He wants you to move on, okay? And you kind of sense that, you kind of know it. Or maybe you're reading in your Bible reading, and the Lord speaks to you, about witnessing to a family member or something like that. Or he speaks to you about something. I mean, he does all kinds of things. It's amazing. Like, for example, when somebody asked me if I would consider candidating for another church, well, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I don't know. How do I know for sure when the Lord wants me to move on? So you know what I did? I kind of put out a fleece. I kind of said, okay, Lord, if this is you, if you're in this, this is what I want you to do. Would you shut the door on this thing? Because up to this point, I was completely content, and I had peace and everything. Everything was going just fine. Now, I don't have my peace, and I'm not feeling content. Lord, would you just shut the door if you don't want me to do it? If not, then, uh, Lord, if you make the thing happen, then I'll know that you're in it. But give me peace about it. That was my way of putting out the fleece. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But listen, if the Lord says, I want you to do this, and you know that He does... Then if you were to say, okay, Lord, just give me a sign. Then I think that's akin to being like uh, lacking faith or lacking trust. If the Lord wants you to do something, you know it. 
And then you say, well, give me a sign, Lord, and then I'll do it. No, just like with Gideon, he knew what the Lord wanted him to do, but he wanted another sign. And then the Lord was so gracious, he gave him two signs. He took that wool fleece, he put it out on the floor, and then he said, okay, Lord, if it's you, if you really want me to do this, and if you're going to bless me, then over the course of the night, then make everything around the fleece wet with dew, and then the fleece dry. And then he did it, the Lord did it, and then he said, okay, Lord, the opposite, do it the opposite way. I might not have that in the right order, but that's what happened. And what was that? It was really, I mean, I don't want to say anything against Gideon because I'll see him in heaven one day. (laughs) But I think it was a lack of trust. He had God's word on it. And the Lord might say, I've got got my word for you on something. It's not right for you to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever or of somebody who's of a completely different persuasion. It's not good for you to be unequally yoked. And you say, but yes, I'm in love, Lord. And this must be of you because God is love, you know. Lord, just give me a sign. I'm putting out a fleece. Do you want me to marry this person? Well, no, he don't want you to marry that person. He already said in the word, no, you know, (laughs) or maybe the change of job. He wants you to do it. Well, step out in faith and do it. But I would say this, Lord, if this is not of you, close the door. And somebody told me this. I remember it was uh, Mrs. Yeager, a sweet pastor's wife. And she told me, and it's always held true. She said, the Lord leads with peace. And if you got peace on something, follow that. He leads with peace. Amen. So he says, let it come to pass. And sure enough, it did come to pass. So he prayed for guidance along the way. Well, I wouldn't do anything without praying. I'd just be praying all the time. This is a good man here, this Eli Ezer. He's a good example of a faithful servant. He, he promised to follow instructions, and he did. And then he would pray for guidance along the way and pray and just trust the Lord and just step out in faith and, and go do something for God. But then notice what he does here. <clears throat> in verse 16, the damsel was very fair to look upon. This is explaining his, his encounter with Rebecca. Her, she's named there in verse 15. And she was very fair to look upon. She's a good description of the church. She's a type of the church. She's beautiful, and she's a virgin. Neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well, filled up her pitcher, and came up. She's a hard worker. Boy, this is a good example of what the church should be. And you know that in 2 Corinthians eleven two, we won't go there, but the church is called a chaste virgin. That's what Paul was trying to do with the believers in Corinth, was to give them new life to begat them through the gospel uh, and see them born again through the gospel and then to disciple them and help them in the process of sanctification so that they're pure and chaste, Paul says, just like a virgin singular. So the church is called a virgin. And the church ought to be a hard-working woman uh, working for the Lord during the church age. Going down and doing what you're supposed to do down at the well and filling up your pitcher, that'd be hard work. And you know what we're supposed to do, folks? (laughs) We're supposed to be running down to the well. Uh, If I felt like I had it in me, if the Lord would give it to me, I could really preach tonight. But I I just, uh, I won't try to be like a cloud without water. But you know, this is the well, folks. This is the well. You come here to church you get filled up with that pitcher of water. You know, the water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You get filled up here and you take that water. And she took that water. She's going to go back to her house. 
and, and use it for whatever she was going to go do. She was a hardworking woman carrying that pitcher up on her shoulder. And we need to come to church and get filled up with the things of God. Together as a church, you know, the Bible talks about the church being filled with the Spirit together corporately. And it also talks about us being individually filled with the Spirit. But there's a lot of Christians who are neglecting the church. Not just that, though. Not just that. The Holy Spirit's with you all the time, right? Being filled with the Spirit every day, walking in the Spirit. What is the, what is the water in the Bible? It's the Holy Spirit. It's also the water of the Word. It's the Word of God. Getting filled up with the Word of God. Praying and then using that water to go about and be a blessing and refresh people. But there's a lot of Christians that are just walking around and they're dehydrated. They don't have any water in their pitcher. And they can't be a blessing to anybody else because they don't have anything to be a blessing with. You understand? I'm not saying you lost the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is that you're not filled up with the Holy Spirit. Because we can get filled up with the things of the world. We can get awful dry on God and get dehydrated. And I, I heard a great sermon about dehydrated Christians by uh, uh, David Peacock. It's on Sermon Audio. It's really good. But you get dehydrated for the Lord. And what happens when you get dehydrated? You got to lay down. You got to loosen your clothes. I used to do this in the army. We knew how to take care of our buddies if our buddies fell out of a road march. You got to loosen up your clothes. You got to take off your headgear. You got to elevate your feet, man, and you're, you're about half delirious, you know, if, you're, if you haven't passed out yet. And somebody's got to help you with a little bit of water and get a little bit of water into you. And you're not good to anybody. You're slowing everybody down. You see? You're slowing the whole unit down. Got to take you to the medics and. Everything else. Yeah, same thing with Ruth and Boaz. A good picture of it. So she's a, she's a type of the church, and there's things in here for us to learn. But he prayed for guidance, and what did the Lord do? He led him right to the right woman. And then what did he do when he got done? We're, we're familiar with this story if we've read through it in our Bible reading. But what did he do once he got done with the job and he found the woman that God wanted? God had picked out this woman, just the right one for Isaac. Verse 26. Look what the servant did. The man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Do you ever do that? You ever do that? We ought to follow the example of this faithful servant. You know what he did? He promised to follow instructions. And then he set out to do something for God, and God blessed him, and he prayed for guidance along the way. God led him to just where he needed to be. <laughs> and then he praised God when the thing was done. Amen. So he finished the job. He was a finisher. <laughs> you might not have started right, but, amen, finish right. Amen. Finish the job. That, and you say, what's the job? We're like the Holy Spirit. We work along with Him in this age, calling out a people for His name. You just live for the Lord, and the Lord will draw people to Himself through your witness and through your faithfulness. It just happens. And uh, the man bowed down his head. Look, whenever we find that things have uh, gone well and we've, we've been able to accomplish something for the Lord, it ought to lead to a praise and testimony time. There was a bow... And there was a blessing. In verse 27, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master. Read these words with me and learn how to praise the Lord. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. 
I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He's saying, the Lord was with me the whole way. He led me right where I needed to go. He's acknowledging that God's hand is in his life, his unseen hand, guiding and directing him. It was a position of humility when he got down on the, on the ground to bow his head, and it was the praise that came out of his mouth that ought to be a part of our worship to the Lord. You say, I thought worship was music. That's just a small part of it. This is a definite time of giving praise to the Lord. Somebody has said some people get in the way, but some people are in the way that God has led them. Isn't that good? Some people get in the way. Some people, they're in the way that God has led them. That's where I want to be. I want to be in the way. I want to be right where God wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do. And if he's put something on your heart, just obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit and do what he wants you to do, small or big. He'll probably start with small things. But then once something happens, once something goes well, you want to just praise the Lord and let it be a thing where everybody sees you. He did this right in front of everybody. Uh, God and everybody, the damsel, her family, the servants, everybody. He just got right down bowed down to the Lord and then praised the Lord and blessed him. (laughs) So a blessing is something that you speak. It's a good word that you speak to bless people. Can I just say a side note here? I'm just about done. Be the kind of person that knows how to bless people with your words. And I know what I'm talking about here because the family that I come from we're good at cutting people down. And then the older I get, the duller my head gets, my mind gets, and the more stupid stuff I do. And I think the Lord's doing it to humble me. But be a kind of person that blesses people. You say, what's a blessing? To speak a good word. To say good things. To build people up. You know what he's doing? He's saying good things about God. He's acknowledging God. Well, if you want to learn how to bless people with your words, you've got to learn first how to bless the Lord. Say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Say that to yourself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Sometimes you've got to tell yourself, look, you need to get it together and bless the Lord. <laughs> Stop griping. Stop thinking about yourself. Bless the Lord. And you'll find out when you start doing that, you start blessing the Lord. Well, the Lord, He can bring this, this joy over you. And you get happy in the Lord. And then decide that you're going to bless other people. You know what he does? He goes on to bless other people, but he starts with the Lord. Then you bless other people. Build them up with your words. Don't tear them down. Help people on to know the Lord. Help them. Encourage them. So uh, finally, I'd like to say this. You know, what he, you know what he did, though? Being a type of the Holy Spirit, he's a perfect, uh, I mean, just near perfect type of the Holy Spirit, as far as I can tell. Verse 33 there was set meat before him to eat. So he's getting ready to uh, take this uh, young lady back to Isaac. But they want him to sit down and fellowship and have a meal and stuff. And uh, he said, I won't eat. I won't do it, verse 33, until I have told my errand. And he said, speak on. You know what he said? He said, I'm not here to take care of myself. Maybe he was fasting, I don't know. But he said, before I do that, before I take care of me, how hungry I am after the miles and miles through the desert. 
Before I do anything else, he said, I need to bear witness to the Lord. And so he tells them the whole story. And he just bears witness to the Lord. Before you do anything else, make sure you do that. Don't just be like, I got to take care of me. I got to take care of the flesh. No, bear witness to the Lord and just do it. Just be bold about it. And then he just says, verse 35, he starts retelling the whole story. The Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he's talking about this and he goes on to just bless everybody. I bet you people like to be around this man, Eli (laughs) Ezer. So Abraham was a type of the father. Isaac, a type of Jesus, the son. Eli, Ezer, a type of the Holy Spirit. Rebecca, a type of the church uh, because she was a bride to Isaac. And she is married. She's taken home and she's married to, uh, to Isaac. And one day we'll be married to the Lord. One day you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to be presented to him as a bride without blemish, without spot. And in the meantime, we're supposed to be trying to call out a people for his name. We're going to close in a word of prayer, but let me encourage you. You're here tonight, and that's good. You're here, and that is good. Because Sunday mornings is more of an evangelistic service. Sunday nights is a teaching service to build up the saints. And for God to say, I'm going to take this time to grow you and to guide you. And I don't don't have anything else with a G. And uh, this is when he works with the church. And it's important for us to be here as much as possible. And if you can't make it on a Sunday night, come on Sunday school because you'll get taught. That's, that's for Christians too. You'll get taught there. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Let's take a moment to apply this to our lives. Don't you want to be a servant who promises to follow instructions and, and you can be trusted to keep your promise? All right, well, well, keep your promises to God. Keep your promises to your spouse. Keep your promises to your children or to your parents. Keep your promises to your employer. Be somebody that can be trusted. Your yes means yes, your no means no. And you'll just be frank about it and plain. Be that kind of person. Jesus says anything else comes of evil. And then be a servant who prays for guidance along the way. And just praying and saying, God, I want to see you do something in my life. I want to know this is of you. I want to have a story to tell, to talk about how how the Lord's been working in my life the next time we come to church. Pray for guidance and trust the Lord. And then when the Lord does something in your life and you know it, or when you finished a job for the Lord, then praise God when the thing is done. And, And bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Learn to do that. Learn to get down on your face and to humble yourself before Him and learn to bless Him. It's not easy. It's the hardest part about prayer is to praise the Lord and bless Him and the part of adoration. That's the hardest part about our prayer and our worship. Lord, how I thank You tonight for the Word of God. I thank You for what we've learned. Lord, I want to be...